Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. A biker who was riding along a California beach when suddenly the sky clouded above his head and in a booming voice, the Lord said, because you have tried to be faithful to me in all ways, I will grant you one wish. Well, the biker pulled over and said, build a bridge. I'd like for you to build a bridge to Hawaii so I can ride over anytime I want. Well, the Lord said, your request is materialistic. I mean, think of the enormous challenges of that kind of undertaking. The supports required to reach the bottom of the Pacific. The concrete and the steel it would take. It would nearly exhaust several natural resources. I can do it, God said, but it's hard for me to justify your desire for worldly things. Well, take a little more time and think about something that would bring honor and glorify me, God said. Well, the biker thought about it. For a long time. And finally, he said, Lord, I wish that I could understand my wife. I want to know how she feels inside and what she's thinking when she gives me the silent treatment, why she cries and what she means when she says nothing's wrong. And how can I make her a more happy woman? And the Lord replied, you want two lanes or four with that bridge? All the ladies are like, that ain't funny. That ain't funny. All the guys are like, yeah, pass Rodney quick. If you've been with us, get your pen, get your pad. Let's move forward. If you have been with us last week, if you were here last week, would you wave at me? Would you wave at me? Were you here last week? Okay, good. That was a good number of you. And last week, we concluded chapter 8. If you missed any of the teachings, you need to pick up chapter 8 because it's very, very pivotal, very key. We concluded chapter 8 with an awesome statement that, in my opinion, was a serious hope, you're listening, assurance, confidence builder, if you will. As Paul told us, what shall separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord? And final answer, nothing. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Again, pick up the CD. Now, let me give you the book of Romans as it divides into three sections. This is very important. I hate to inundate you this morning with outlines, but you do need to get this. Get your pen. The book of Romans divides into three sections. First of all, chapters 1 through 8 deal with the principles of salvation. Chapters 1 through 8, the principles of salvation. And then you jump over to chapter 12 through 16, and it deals with the practicals in salvation. The principles of salvation, 
and the practicals in salvation, chapters 12 through 16. Much like, here's a little homework for you, the book of Ephesians divides out very nicely just like that. A little homework for you. So now what you have is, are you listening, chapters 1 through 8 and chapters 12 through 16, you have sandwiched between chapters 1 through 8 and 12 through 16, you got sandwiched between chapter 9 and 11. And many people have felt that chapters 9 through 11, that they are an interruption in the book of Romans. Now, should I tell you, need I tell you that I do not believe that chapters 9 through 11 is an interruption. I don't believe the Holy Spirit interrupts the teaching of his word. There is a consistent flow through scripture. Now, what we have to do is study the scriptures, read the Bible and try to seek to understand what the flow is. But I don't believe it's an interruption. As a matter of fact, not only do I believe, do not believe that it's an interruption, but actually, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's not an interruption. It's an illustration. An illustration of what, Rodney? It's an illustration, chapters 9 through 11. Are you still with me? It's an illustration of the faithfulness and the sovereignty of God as it relates to Israel. The faithfulness and the sovereignty of God as it relates to Israel. Now, here's another outline that we're going to be using over the next several weeks. So you want to write this one down because we'll be going back to it each week for at least the next three to four weeks. Chapter nine deals with Israel's past election. And then in chapter 10, it deals with Israel's present rejection. And then in chapter 11, it deals with Israel's future reception. Chapter 9 deals with what, saints? Israel's past election. Say it with me. Chapter 9 deals with what? Israel's past election. Chapter 10 deals with what? Israel's present rejection. And chapter 11 deals with what? Israel's future reception. That's how these next few chapters, several chapters, kind of uh, outline, if you will. Now, this morning, my sermon title is God's Election. We're going to talk about that in Romans chapter 9. I should turn there myself. Romans chapter 9, we pick up in verse 1. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Uh, some of y'all ain't looking. Chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. I tell the truth, Paul says in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God and the promises of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. Let me just tell you, listen, look at me. Chapter 9, 10, and 11 are probably the most difficult chapters in the book of Romans. And might I even say the most difficult chapters in the entire Bible. 
And because they are so difficult, lots of people like to skip over them because they say, well, they are too difficult. Or people say, let's not get into chapter 9, 10 and 11, because not only are they too difficult, but they are too political because they deal with Israel. Let me tell you, I do not believe there's anything too difficult in the scriptures for the average Christian to understand. You don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to have um, MDiv. Don't misunderstand me. If you have a degree and you've been to seminary, that's fine. But you don't need that to understand the scriptures. And I think so often we think, well, you can't understand the Bible unless you go to Bible college or you go to um, seminary. I've never been to seminary. I've never been to Bible college. I just barely got through high school. (laughs) Can I get a witness? My peeps. Look, I'm I'm not that smart. I have the Holy Spirit. And I trust the Spirit of God to lead us and teach us and guide us in all truth. There's nothing we can't understand. So we don't skip over stuff here at Calvary Chapel, please. Do we skip over things? Say no. No. Oh, y'all said that with such disdain. No. No, we read the scriptures and we study the scriptures. Now, you might have heard, maybe perhaps some of you have heard chapter 9 as it deals with Israel's election. And perhaps you have a disposition on this topic. But let me just tell you before we get going that this whole topic of election and predestination, perhaps you have a disposition, but you don't have the whole revelation. And neither do I. And neither does anyone. We don't have the whole revelation of anything, the whole revelation of anything. Because Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that now in this world we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. There are certain things that we read in the scriptures that we only have partial knowledge. God only allows us a certain amount of knowledge. And that's the thing that makes him God. What makes God God is that he knows stuff that you don't know. And that's why he's God. And we're not. And I'm glad about that. I'm especially glad you ain't God. (laughs) So we know in part. And when we get to heaven, we're going to know fully. We'll have complete understanding. So Paul, listen, let's understand. Paul has been talking about in chapter 8, the foreknowledge of God. He's been talking about predestination. He's been talking about election, talking about we are called, that we are saved, that God washed us and forgave us and justified us and sanctified us and glorified us. We talked about that we are God's people. And Paul's readers at this point, listen, his readers might be asking the question, then what about the Jew? What about Israel? If the church is called God's people and the church is elected, then what is God's plan for Israel? Now, before Paul answers that question, are you listening of what God's plan is for Israel? He first of all tells us what his heart is for Israel. 
What is his heart for Israel? His Paul's personal heart for Israel. He says in verses one through five, we just read it. Look at it again. I'm telling you the truth, he says, and I'm not lying. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit that I have incredible sorrow or heaviness of heart. And notice this sorrow to Paul was so grieving to his heart that he said, if it were possible, I wish myself a curse that they might come. They, my brethren, might come to know Christ. Are y'all getting that? This is a remarkable statement. Paul says if the Jewish brethren would give their life to Christ, if they would recognize the Messiah, Paul says, I would give my own salvation for it. That's a pretty amazing statement. And I think what we learn here is that Paul truly has the heart of Jesus. Because the Bible tells us the fruit of the spirit is what? More than three people know that. The fruit of the Spirit is. And we know as we've read the scriptures that Jesus showed the ultimate form of love as he came down and laid down his life. And he took on, the Bible says, eternal suffering on the cross. And he suffered everything that we might be saved. Love doesn't go any deeper than that. That you are willing to give up your own salvation in order for someone else to be saved. You know, it reminds me of Moses as Moses prayed for the people. And Moses said, Lord, take my name out of the book if they will give their lives to Christ. And here we have Paul says, Lord, make me a curse. Moses says, blot me out. I'm going to tell you something. I love y'all. <laughs> but I must say. If God said to me, and I'm just going to say what I know y'all are thinking, all right? If God said, Rodney, you can give up your salvation. If, every, if you give up your salvation, everyone that goes to Calvary Chapel will be saved. If you give up your salvation, you become a curse, anathema. That means eternally damned. Rodney, if you're willing to be eternally damned for Calvary Chapel, then they can all be saved and you will go to hell. I would say, well... See you wouldn't want to be you. I don't know what to tell you, but y'all going to stand on your own two feet. I got to get to heaven. I'm trying to go. I'm just trying to make it. Somebody wave at me and say, amen. You know, that's right. You ain't giving up your salvation for nobody. But I mean, I do love the idea that. Uh, And I mean, how far? I mean, I guess it kind of sort of kind of does beg the question, how far are we willing to go to share the gospel? You know, some of us are so, you know, we're not only not willing to give up our salvation, we're not even willing to go across the street and tell somebody about the Lord. You're not going to tell the person that works with you every day about Jesus because they might start calling me names. Oh, they might talk about me if they know I'm a Christian. I mean, I don't want to go too far with this Jesus stuff. Talking to a brother the other day, he told me he took another job and uh, he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to tell them, I've told them that I'm a Christian. He said, I wanted them to know before they really cemented and sealed the deal. He said, I wanted them to know that I'm a Christian. He said, because I, I believe in that. And, and, I, and we've taught that here at the church. You tell people you're a Christian. Don't you ever be ashamed of being a Christian? 
So what are they going to talk about you? They're going to talk about you anyway. <laughs> you know that's right. So why not? You tell them you're a Christian. You don't be ashamed. Paul says, I wish I were accursed if Israel could be saved. So Paul, listen, let's get back. Paul was heavy because his heart was broken because the Jewish people were lost. And part of the reason, listen, for the anguish is because they had special privileges with God. Israel had tremendous, awesome blessings that they didn't take advantage of. Let's point them out, if you will. Paul lists seven of those blessings that they had with being a Jew. Number one, go ahead and look at your Bibles. In verse four, they were the chosen people of God. They were adopted. Acts chapter seven, where you're with us, we know that Stephen tells us the glory of the Lord appeared to Abraham. The Bible lets us know that Abraham, when God called him, watch this. When God called Abraham, he was an idol-worshipping Gentile. And yet God called him. And yet God separated him and God took a nation from him. God made a nation from Abraham and we have the 12 tribes. They were adopted, Paul says, and my heart's grieved because you don't know it and you don't recognize it. Number two, talking about the blessings they had of being a Jew, the Jews were given glory, given glory. You looking at it in verse four. This is a reference to the Shekinah glory of God that followed Israel through the wilderness and later came into the Holy of Holies. And then hundreds of years later, you know, Solomon's temple was built and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the people of God knew that God's presence was with them. They had the glory. Number three, they had the covenants. All the promises that God made with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, God promised to bless them and he never went back on his promises. Number four, they had the law. The Jews loved the Torah. The Jews loved the law. They had the scrolls of the law. Number five, they had the service, which is a reference to temple worship. Not only did they have the law, but God carefully and meticulously described how the people should conduct themselves in worship and how to offer sacrifice and how to bring offerings. And number six, they had the promises, which can still be found in the pages of scripture. Promises. What promises? The promise of his coming, the promise to make them a people, the promise that Jerusalem will one day become the center of the earth, the promises that are still there. And God still means to fulfill his promises to his people. And then lastly, saints, listen, last but certainly not least, they had Jesus himself. They had the Messiah. The Messiah came from Israel. Jesus was a Jew born of a Jewish mother, reared in a Jewish home, received a Jewish education in a Jewish synagogue. And Paul says, well, all of these blessings and you don't know who you are and you've turned your back on the blessings of God. And Paul says that grieves me. Don't you know? Do you know anybody who, you know, God's called them, you know, God's blessed them, but they don't realize it. And doesn't it grieve your heart? It grieves your heart. So Paul says, now the question arises after all of these blessings, it arises that if all of this is true, the blessings, the covenants, the glory, then why are they turning away from Jesus? When Jesus walked in, walked in their midst, why didn't they receive him? 
with all this election stuff and with all this predestination stuff, then why was Jesus rejected? Paul answers that in verse 6. Are you looking at it? Say amen. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not, watch this, all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in whose saints? Isaac, your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil thing, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, it's not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Saints, give me your attention before we go any further. Remember last week I gave you the definition of predestination. And remember I told you it means to decide ahead of time. Predestination means to decide ahead of time to foreordain. Election and predestination means simply this. Listen, before you were born... Before you were even in your mother's womb, God knew you. God knew you apart from anything that you had ever done. God chose you. God ordained you. And God picked you to be saved. Before you had an opportunity, are you listening to become the good self that you are? God picked you ordained you, called you, you must remember that God's election, predestination, calling, picking, call it what you want, is based on his foreknowledge. Talk about more about that next week. Is based on his foreknowledge. So before you were in the world and had done any good thing, God ordained you. God called you, God picked you, God predestined you to be saved. So then the question always comes up, it never fails to come up. Then if we've been predestined, elected, and picked to be saved, then why preach the gospel? If those people who are going to be saved are saved and those who aren't, aren't, then why preach? People ask, why evangelize? If that be the case, Rodney, then why are we giving out invitations to the Harvest Crusade? Well, listen, I think the answer to that is simply this. We are not God. Listen, this is deep and profound. We are not, we are not God and we don't know who's been picked. You don't know. And I don't know. No one knows. We don't know who's called. Not only that, but God didn't tell us to be concerned with who's called or not. He told us to go. Jesus said, go and be fishers of men. He didn't tell you to go out there and find out if the fish are biting. <laughs> it just, just go do it, man. 
Go and be fishers of men. Paul says the reason I preach is because in this whole election predestination thing is because God has called us to preach the gospel. That's the position that Paul takes. Now listen, the reason the Jews rejected Jesus and aren't saved, here Paul makes the point in verse 6, is not because, you looking at verse 6? It's not because God's word has no effect. Paul says, don't think the word has lost its power. Somebody say amen. Don't think the word has lost its power. He says, the thing that you must realize is that they are not all Israel who are Israel. Just because they are of the seed of Abraham doesn't mean they are all children. Now listen closely. Listen, there is a difference between, watch this, Abraham's descendants and Abraham's children. You understand? There's a difference between Abraham's descendants and Abraham's children. Abraham's descendants speak of Israel nationally. The nation of Israel. Abraham's children speaks of every person who is born again. Every person who puts their faith and believes in Jesus Christ. They are Abraham's children. You see, it goes on to say the children of the flesh are not the children of God, but the children of promise or the children of faith are the seed of Abraham. So God said at this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. Verse nine. Now give me your attention. Let me tell you just a really quick story. Before Abraham had any sons. God promised him a son. And it was through this son, the, God said, the whole wide world was going to be blessed through this son. But Abraham, but God wasn't moving fast enough for Abraham and Sarah. And so Abraham and Sarah came up with a bright idea. For Abraham to take Hagar, you know, and sleep with her. And from Hagar, who was born? Ishmael, you know that. So God said, Abraham, the promise will not be through Ishmael. And by the way, Abraham, I don't need your help. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.